And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation that I'm hoping helps your business grow. Now, there's a lot of things that burn themselves into our memory and cause us to never forget stuff and a good experience and sometimes a bad experience are pretty much at the top of that list. Now, with that, many marketers, businesses, startups, and other types of entrepreneurial things uh, know this and understand that. We're going to have a very interesting conversation with a founder who is taking experience innovation to a different level with her startup. Now, before we get too far into that, as a quick reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. With me today, I have Adele Archer. She's the CEO of Eternova, and they are out of Austin, Texas, and yet another addition to our our top Austin startups list. Well, let's just go ahead and say, welcome to Startup Hustle, Adele. Thanks, Matt. So glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Glad to, glad to have you. I'm excited for this topic, but before we fully engage in that, let's hear a little bit more about your backstory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, uh, I also, you know, I've been in Austin for quite some time. Um, prior to starting Eternova, I was in the tech industry, so I worked in tech uh, here in Austin. And um, But, you know, as I am very entrepreneurial, knew it was a matter of time before I started my own company. And, you know, originally Eternova was um, a lab-grown diamond company. You know, we were going to be growing into the direct-to-consumer side of lab-grown diamonds, um, just really fascinated by that space. And so as we were starting that company on a very personal side of my life, completely separate from the business that we were starting, I had my very close friend and my business mentor, Tracy, actually get diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, and very quickly after her diagnosis, she passed. And Tracy was one of the most special and an unbelievable people in my life. And, you know, I, I am a, who I am today because of her involvement. And, you know, so it was me and a couple of her close friends that, you know, we got her ashes and we wanted to figure out a really meaningful way to honor her. And, you know, after months of doing research, it was like, you know, just nothing felt meaningful. It was just very transactional. And that was my first experience in foray in death care. I had not really, you know, had that experience before. And coming from tech, you're like, man, you just have a totally different expectation of what that customer experience should feel like. And um, it was over dinner one night with one of the diamond scientists that we were working with that he told me, you know, hey, there's carbon in Tracy's ashes. If we can get it out, I could probably grow you a lab-grown diamond. Um, and so that was actually how we came upon the idea to start Eternova, um, which is to honor remarkable people and pets by um, making real diamonds from the carpet in their ashes. And Tracy, this is her black diamond. This was our first diamond that we ever made. It's a, I never knew that that was possible. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, what, what an interesting, what an interesting approach. Now, 
uh, as little as people uh, like the topic, you know, I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said that there's a couple things in life that are certain. I think it was death and taxes. And, yeah. you know, therefore, 100% of us are uh, at some point going to be in that target audience uh, yeah. for the, quote, death care industry. Now, you know, I want to talk, I have some other specific questions, but first, I would imagine that all of the stuff with COVID and has really changed. Well, it's, it's, you know, I, I, and like I said, I'm not, I'm certainly not an expert on the industry and I'm mm -hmm. hoping to avoid being a client for quite a, quite some time, but um, it seems that, you know, that the, the, that COVID is probably uh, uh, accelerating or maybe even creating some levels of unmanageability. I just see like, I don't know, I see, you know, that there's a morgue truck or something, you know, they're having to, I don't know, I, how is all that affecting the industry as a whole and yeah. your business as well? I mean, it's, it's going to have a very profound impact. Um, you know, from the beginning when we had our first wave, you know, you definitely saw the stress that it put on the overall industry, just infrastructure wise. Um, but I think, you know, there's so much about it that is different than what we've ever seen. You know, this is an industry that is, you know, it's it's kind of a laggard industry. It's It still does a lot of things in a very analog way. And COVID has just forced the funeral industry to really digitize overnight. Um, so that was one of the things that we did with, you know, kind of our consumer technology roots um, and backgrounds. We were able to support a lot of our funeral home partners um, by quickly digitizing, bringing them online, being able to have the tools that they need to, you know, walk a family through their services. So not a line that we are getting into, but just one way that as a younger kind of tech forward, one of the, the modern brands in the space, we were able to help our industry players. And, you know, then we just are seeing um, at a time where we can't really gather and, you know, get together for funerals, we're losing one of our most important grieving rituals. Um, and so for somebody that's going through a loss where you can't even go to the hospital, um, you can't be there at their bedside when they're passing, and then you can't have an in-person funeral, um, this is going to have a pretty profound impact on how we're grieving as a society, you know, and you compound that with, you know, the grief that we're already feeling just around the pandemic. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really tough. And so I think that that's something that as a company, we really identify as a grief wellness brand and we're serving somebody in the wake of a loss and how, you know, the diamond journey and the process is intentionally designed to be celebratory and shareable and something that you can kind of rally your community around. And, you know, we've given a lot of thought about what does it mean to grieve over a digital medium these days, you know, cause that's what we've got to be doing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, not only are we, you know, having unfortunately to be confronted with death and, and it's becoming something that we're talking about a lot more, about 40% of people know someone who's passed of COVID at this point. Um, but, you know, it's it's something that we need to think about how we're showing up for our friends that are going through that experience and supporting them when we can't be together in person. Is that create is COVID creating an unmanageable volume for the for the death care industry? It comes in, in waves, you know, similar to uh, just the pandemic itself. And so, um, you know, I think as a whole, the industry is able to support it. It's just depending on kind of the, the peaks and valleys. Um, in the beginning, when there was no protective gear, um, there was a deficit of protective gear. Uh, that was really challenging. So that was something we 
put together a GoFundMe and um, raised a bunch of money to basically supply funeral homes across the country with PPE gear. Um, and Mark Cuban came out, supported it, and you know was thanking them for their frontline service because you know they're so often forgotten as essential workers. We're thanking our healthcare providers and you know those that are showing up on the front line, and our funeral industry needs just as much support right now. So before I ask my next question, I need to first define what is a lab grown diamond? Yeah. Um, so a lab grown diamond is a hundred percent real diamond that is just formed above ground, um, in a laboratory rather than underground using the exact same, um, method. It's high pressure, high temperature over time that's crystallizing carbon graphite on top of a diamond seed, and it grows into a rough raw diamond. And then we have um, cutters that are basically looking at it and, and finding the best area to cut the diamond from, cutting it. It's graded, certified, you know, just like a regular diamond. And what we're doing is actually growing from a personal carbon source. So we're extracting the carbon from somebody's ashes or hair. Um, and then that's the carbon source that we're using as part of the diamond that we're growing. How long does that take? End to end, our process takes about seven to eight months to do. Ours is a lot more um, intricate and involved than when you're just growing regular diamonds um, because our customer is specifying, I want this exact shape and color up front. Um, and then we're growing a completely custom diamond from their loved one's personal carbon. And everybody's carbon is different. So, you know, you're and you're growing one diamond in the machine at a time. Um, so it's a really kind of bespoke and, and special and um, equal part science and art. And uh, yeah, end to end, it's about a seven to eight month process. Once again, how did you get in, how did you personally get into that lane? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it was uh, like we just saw lab grown diamonds is, is super interesting. You know, a, a lot of younger people are gravitating towards lab grown diamonds because they know where it came from. They know kind of the origin of it. It tends to be more uh, sustainably produced. And, you know, so we just saw an opportunity there. But then when Tracy passed, it was like, man, I'm not seeing anything that's like really a special way to honor somebody. And so that was really kind of the the point at which I just wanted a diamond for myself. But the more that we looked at that, we were just like, you know, I don't think I'm alone in this. I think other people, you know, are looking for ways to honor their most remarkable people, you know, and are not really finding anything. And so, you know, that's really what Eternova is all about today. Like we're not a diamond company. We don't really view ourselves that way at all. Um, we're a grief wellness brand and we're building a platform for all things celebration of life and grief wellness. And so diamonds are really just the beginning. Like we're going to have other product line extensions, services, resources, like we're partnering with Baylor University right now on um, modern like grief theory. So actually producing original academic research, you know, that's kind of pushing the boundary on what we know about grief and, you know, how we can support somebody through kind of a, a healing process. Yeah. Now this is actually not the first episode of Startup Hustle where we have had a guest that um, uses some part of 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 someone to create uh, uh, memorable items. We had a, a lady named Courtney Lane who is a very well known hair artist. Huh. Interesting. So she yeah. So she has uh, she creates. Uh, I mean, really like interesting uh, hair art. 
and it's, you know, lots of wheat like woven and just different stuff. And I mean, yeah. and it's very, uh, uh, she's very interesting. And so is what she does. So a lot of people have locks of hair and different stuff yeah. it could be from, from childhood or, you know, people that have passed or whatever. And she does really interesting and amazing stuff with it. And once again, yet another thing, I had no idea, uh, existed. That, that's part of yeah. what I enjoy about the, about this show is, is just hearing about, the things uh, that people, you know, the, just the, the, I don't know, th this is like, this is an interesting idea. Scientifically, yeah. it makes sense. I'm aware that diamonds are made of carbon. I had no, never had thought about making, you know, one with that, you know, out of a uh, person. Now you also mentioned that pets yeah. are, are, uh, are commonly used, which, which, which uh, is more common. Um, I mean, it's almost half and half, honestly. Um, I think we're about 45% pets um, for our loved ones. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's really like, what were the connections in your life that were your most special connections? Um, those are the ones that you're going to do it for. So whether that like on a pet side, that's not necessarily every single pet. That's like, man, all of us have like a couple pets that are like once in a lifetime pets, you know, and like, that's who you're going to do this for. Um, yeah. Yeah. Diamonds are earned. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so th this is is quite different in yeah. in in your industry. Do do you now, as far as like, do you work with funeral homes and places like that? Are they your sales channel of sorts? Like, are you? is what Eternova does. And if you want to learn more about Eternova, uh, there's a link in the show notes and you can go check out what they do. But I mean, where does your business come from? Is this like another option that funeral homes offer or is it, I, do you have to go out and find them on your own or? Yeah. So, I mean, we actually started our company um, like completely direct to consumer. So the first two years of, of build, um, we launched in Q4 2017, um, was really just going directly um, through, you know, paid search and, um, you know, a lot of social, like we, we do a lot of video storytelling. So just capturing the stories of these amazing people and the stories behind every diamond are just like, man, they, they are unbelievable. Just the most incredible people you've ever heard. And, you know, you share those out and inevitably somebody's like, oh my gosh, like that reminds me so much of my dad or that reminds me of so much of so-and-so's dad and I'm going to share it with her. And so there's this kind of like organic community that started forming and building and, you know, a lot of um, amplification, people wanting to talk about this topic and, you know, saying like, hey, I've had my mom's ashes for years and, you know, I'd really like to look into something like this. So um, a lot of what we do is, uh, you know, just connecting with people on a very human level. And I think that's very... Um, surprising and different in our industry. Like we're the first modern consumer brand that's being built here. Um, and I think it's refreshing for people, you know, it's like, we're taking a hard topic head on, um, you know, creating a social community that people feel inspired, engaged. We have higher engagement rates on social than like Kim Kardashian, Taylor Swift, which is just crazy. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's just people want to be a part of kind of this mission to change a culture around death, grief and remembrance. Um, and then we do now partner with a lot of funeral homes as well, um, because that's really an education channel. That's when people are making decisions and, and becoming aware of what their options are. And so typically somebody will, he, you know, learn about a turn of a in the home and then they get connected to us and, you know, our team will make sure that they get 
a very consistent and a turn of the experience. Yeah, I would imagine that the, uh, uh, you know, whether you want to call it cultural awareness, industry awareness, you know, that's, um, you know, I, is, is a challenge. I mean, what, has that been one of the, is one of the bigger obstacles been just to try to get people to know that this isn't actually an option or that it exists? Yeah, I mean, I think what that's what's exciting about this is like we're a category creator, you know, like this. Yeah, most people don't even know that this is something that you can do, um, but that's changing. I mean, in a huge way, and it's it's very exciting to see. Um, you know, since we were on Shark Tank last year, uh, that was a huge inflection point. And I think what's so interesting about it is, you know, again, like we're coming from a place of we want to change a culture and you know make this like something that's not so taboo anymore. You know, that we don't just like kind of see as weird or, you know, not something that's going to affect us all at some point in our life, you know, this is just part of our human experience. And how can we have a better experience around grief and, you know, better ways to talk about our loved ones and, you know, just kind of make it part of our everyday conversation. And, you know, I think that that's resonating. And we find that on average, somebody's telling 20 other people about Eternova after hearing about us. So the word of mouth around it is just like, fascinating to watch. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's changing. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of kind of influencer and celebrity adoption. And, you know, just uh, it's it's becoming more of kind of a normalized thing that, you know, hey, there are other ways to honor your loved one versus just putting them in an urn or in a casket. So you said you were on Shark Tank. How did that experience go? <laughs> um man it was crazy <laughs> it's uh it, it was a it was a fantastic experience definitely one of the most nerve it was the most nerve-wracking day of my life on our air date you're like oh my gosh everybody in my entire world that i've ever known has reached out to me to let me know that they're having a watch party at their house that night um and but it was awesome i mean we had a, a really really great episode um you know very intense the uh shark tank team said it was one of the most intense negotiations they've ever seen um but i mean we came out with one of the best valuations offered ever on the show mark cuban invested um and yeah i mean it was uh it was a great experience and it it is amazing to me still how many people watch shark tank like to this day people saying oh i've heard about that i i think i saw that on shark tank so yeah how how did that what was the after effect of that did that result in in a in a flood of website visits or inquiry or anything like that i just i and i ask because i've talked to several people that have been on shark tank before yeah. and I mean, some have had, quite honestly, some have had favorable experiences and some have not yeah. um, for different reasons. I mean, I think you got to always kind of get into the, you know, the result of that. But totally. um, how, I mean, how, did that did other than the, you know, just personal outreach from people and friends, did it affect your business in a positive way? Oh, yeah. I mean, huge. I like again, I think because we're such a word of mouth driven business, um, we knew we were reaching 7 million Americans that night. And then we knew they were going to tell 20 other people about it. So there is that initial with, you know, with most companies that are on Shark Tank, that's there's that initial wave of inbound and people who are interested and, you know, watching the show. But then where, you know, it's really powerful, I think for us is we aired October last year. So it was right before Thanksgiving. 
this is what everybody talked about at Thanksgiving dinner that year, you know, and then it's like when you're in your barbershop or you're at your grocery store and you meet somebody who is going through a loss and you're like, oh, I just heard about this company, you know, let me, let me see if I can't look their website up. Like you should really look into this. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's been pretty amazing to see the multiple months after, you know, amplification via the second and third degree connections. And you said that Mark Cuban was uh, an investor uh, from is, that yeah. evening. Yeah. How is that? Has how has that uh, gone? I mean, I, I'm just curious because you know I, I, I'm a, I'm a Mark Cuban fan. I like what he I does, can. and yeah. I like Shark Tank. And you know, I, I I quite honestly haven't watched it for for quite a while. But that's not a knock on the show. But how has how that uh, interaction and involvement been? It's been fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been such a huge supporter and he actually right off the bat, like decided he was going to make some diamonds, um, you know, and give them to his wife as a gift. And um, then he's been incredibly supportive, like, you know, with the, you know, support through the COVID pandemic and, you know, just kind of recording a thank you video to funeral directors. And um, so there's been a lot of things that we've been able to do together and, you know, just a year's time. And um, yeah, we're, we're grateful to have his backing. He's, he's a great guy. Yeah, I'm sure that's interesting. I just noticed a, a late surge in participants joining us for our live stream. Probably our, our uh, notification probably took its time getting out. But with us today, we've got Adele Archer, and she's the CEO and founder of Eternova. Uh, they make diamonds uh, out of your loved one's ashes, which is, and I love that's people or pets or, or different stuff. And talking about how that experience-based marketing is changing uh, well, it's disruptive, and that, that's what I want to run into, you know, talk about next. And before, before we do that, as a quick reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build development teams quickly and affordably. Uh, we've worked in and around quite a bit of disruptive things. So um, in, uh, in regards to disruption and, and what you do in your industry, how is that being received? Like, I mean, it's, it, give me a, maybe give me an example of a good and a bad. Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think, um, I think whenever you like, like people do view disruption as, as cool and interesting, but you know, you are disrupting a status quo and, you know, some people don't love that. Um, and so I think, as a, uh, I, I, I'm an optimist. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are, you know, you just, you see the opportunity and, and you want to be the change. And um, for us, there's just so much, um, there's so much to change uh, in a positive way, I believe around the death care industry, just giving people a better experience all around. You know, you don't hear a lot of people leaving kind of a funeral home experience with as a raving fan, you know, and saying, wow, like that was just a really, that was a really important experience, a really valuable experience I had at a very difficult time. And, you know, that's kind of where we want to get to is just serving more grievers than any, any other company in the space so that we can really um, ensure that they're just having a good experience all around. Um, but, you know, I think it's a, it's a sleepy industry. There's a lot of players that, you know, have been the biggest players, for, you know, for the entire time. And um, some are embracing and looking to us to, um, figure out how to engage with people, you know, on social media, for example, um, on uh, kind of younger demographics. Like we have 
content that consistently goes viral on TikTok. And I think that just like blows the minds of anybody in the dad care industry. They're like, how do we become relevant on TikTok? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, but then I think what's also interesting is like our while we don't view ourselves as a diamond company, you know, we have, um, we're still using diamond technology and, you know, have a diamond supply chain. And, you know, there's, there's definitely uh, between lab grown diamonds and mine diamonds, um, you know, just a kind of a, it's an emerging technology that's disruptive to the mine diamond space. So, you know, we're very thoughtful about um, positioning ourselves, you know, over in death care. That's very much where we're at, but, you know, you still get the mine diamond advocates that, yeah, they're just growing shade at lab grown diamonds as they do. So, you know, it's a, it's an interesting place to be, but I think that's, what's exciting about disruption is, you know, you're, you were being the change and it's uh, there, a change is necessary. So you got to be the one to go do it. Yeah. I was, when we were talking earlier about you, you were mentioning your uh, direct to consumer approach and I was, I couldn't mm -hmm. help but think, man, how do we sit down and figure out what the keywords are on that? on those Google searches, you know, just like, uh, you know, that that's, I, I've, I've been a party to a lot of marketing meetings and a lot of stuff. And that, that I'm just, my mind kind of thinks like that. I was like, man, what do we, what do we look for with that? Now, it, obviously the, you know, death and loss, uh, just experience in general, um, well, that's nothing that anyone signs up for. And no. it's not like now I'm, I'm, you mentioned earlier, you're talking about, you know, COVID and other stuff. So my mom is in a, uh, in a memory care facility because she mm -hmm. has advanced dementia. And I, I experienced a lot of that too. I've had to have some uh, interesting conversations around family yeah. very recently, which was like take her to a hospital if, mm -hmm. if needed, because I mean, it's, it's already quite advanced, but you know, we wouldn't be, if we if took her there, we can't get in. Yeah, uh, exactly. you know, I think a lot of people don't realize like how much COVID is affecting things that you, in some levels take for granted or have the ability to do like, for example, once again, like if you take mm -hmm. someone to a hospital, like if you took your, your husband or wife to a hospital for something right now, and mm -hmm. once they're in there, they're not going to let you in. I That's mean, right. even if it's like, Hey, so-and-so is dying. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, we can't let you in. And now yeah. from an experience standpoint, uh, let's be realistic. That's pretty shitty. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, like I said, th this whole, experiences it's never uh it's never something well i can't say never i'm sure that there are some people that have died here and there and people rejoice mm -hmm. uh but that said it's not really the norm and you also get to deal with people that are going through in many cases the most significant amount of stress and anxiety in your life how how do you how do you deal with like your approach to that because it's mm -hmm. uh and I'm, I'm struggling for a term, you know, say, oh, some, you handle it with kid gloves or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you have to go about shaping everything you do to be sensitive, caring? Uh, there's obviously religious things that come into play here and like all mm -hmm. of it. And it's so varied. I can imagine that that's probably a challenge. Well, is that a challenge? And how do you handle it if it is? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, so much in that. Um, my, like my heart goes out to you with your mom. Cause I know I have a friend who's going through the exact same thing and, and it's so tough. And I'm really glad that y'all are having those conversations because the worst thing that can happen is, you know, just not thinking about that and, and getting yourself into a situation where you haven't thought about it in advance. Well, that's um, why we're having them. Yeah. It's kind of you know? me that pushed for some of them. Cause it's yeah. like, Hey, we'll talk about it if, and I'm like, well, that's not, 
Yeah. There's other things too. Like, well, I'll give you just a quick example. But so, you know, like if we had to take her over to the hospital for any mm-hmm. reason, it's possible that based on the condition, the place that she's at now couldn't let her, might not let her back in. Yeah. So, that, so that's, those are the things you're having to pl- plan for I mean, they're the shittiest conversations that you ever want to have but yeah so yeah. sorry continue please. so important to have and yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm proud of y'all um yeah and, and i actually we have one of our um one of our influencers who had done this process um her dad was actually diagnosed with covid and i mean it was just like she she texted me this video of he had been in the hospital for something like, you know, six or seven weeks and she didn't get to see him. And, you know, he had kind of a, he was close, he was close to passing and then re- rallied and uh, they transferred him to another hospital. And that was the only time she got to see him was from the parking lot as they pulled his gurney out and put him into, uh, you know, into an ambulance. And I mean, it was just so emotional. He was waving at them with his oxygen tank on and um, it was like, man, like that might be the last time you see your dad. It, it just really hits you. It really does. So yeah, lo- love on your loved ones extra hard right now. Um, but I think, you know, as we think about um, our approach and and I th- we've kind of developed um, just kind of this a turn of a way about how we engage with somebody who's grieving. And, and I think that that's really unique about what we do is um, just meeting somebody with a very open heart. You know, I think the... Um, only thing that can really mend a broken heart is another healing or is just another um, caring one. And I think what is uh, just misguided about our approach when we engage with somebody who's grieving is dealing, you know, like kind of be wearing the kid gloves and, and kind of being uh, more reserved and, and kind of uh, like very monotone and, you know, kind of cautious. And, you know, you end up, if you're somebody who's grieving, you just feel like you have the plague, you know, and you're like, what is wrong with everybody around me? And I don't feel like I have an outlet and, you know, people aren't inviting me places. And, you know, it's just, there's so much more to manage on top of all of that. And so I think like going in, one of the first things we do with our customers is, you know, on the phone, we'll say like, Hey, you know, I, kind of in getting to know us, like, we're not really going to ask you like what happened or, you know, how your loved one passed. That's not what we want to know. Like we genuinely just want to know who they were as a person and, you know, like give us all the good stuff. Like we really, really want to help you celebrate them over this period of time. Cause what's unique about, I think what we do is it has a seven to eight month lead time. So we're going to be with somebody over that period of time, showing up for them again and again and again. Um, So we learned all about their loved one, Um, you know, and we have traditions like inaugurations where we actually take their photo and on Instagram and Facebook live. And, you know, we tell their story to the world um, and inaugurate them to our wall. We have every single one of our loved ones, you know, uh, up on our wall, you know, as uh, little Polaroids. And, um, you know, it's just little moments, it's little kind of rituals like that. And, you know, as we're going through the process with our customers, it's, you know, showing up for them every month and having pictures and videos and updates of the process and, you know, giving them something positive to look forward to, remembering their loved one's death day, remembering their birthday, you know, and just reaching out and and being caring and, um, you know, not treating them with kid gloves. You know, they just, they feel like you're a friend that gets it. Um, And that's just so important is just somebody feeling like they can let their guard down and just be real with you. Um, and that you're kind of a safe space space for them to go at a time that everybody else doesn't really know how to engage. That same, uh, that same description that you just laid out, uh, it, it 
kind of it got my attention because it sounds I've talked to people who have had businesses that have failed mm. and they have they've had that same kind of reaction about other people's reactions. They're like, hey, I tried something that didn't work. It doesn't mean like don't ignore me. Exactly. Like, don't talk, you don't have to talk to me differently. Like I'm dealing with it. It is what it is. But that's wow, been a, fascinating. A, that's actually that's actually been a uh, you know because I mean in some ways there is a I mean well that is a, a that's a death in the family in a different it's way. It's totally something uh, to yeah, yeah, man. Like yeah, yeah. but, but part of part of it is like <laughs> people just want to you know at some point it's like well it's the same way that if uh, well you know it's like I don't know celebrate the good things. And, yeah. and see what happens. Now, speaking of hopefully celebrating good things, uh, do how how has raising capital been for a business like this? Yeah, I mean, I think what is so interesting, um, kind of about the journey, like l- looking back on it now, is in the beginning you are kind of getting people on board that like, I promise you, this is a thing and other people are going to want to do this. And, you know, it was uh, a very different idea when we first started out that, you know, again, you're, you're creating an entire category. So there's not a lot of reference point for them to look at. Um, but I think what worked for us really, really well in the beginning was we did a strategic angel round. So we went to other founders and entrepreneurs who have had, you know, good size exits, both on the consumer side and technology side. So our first group of investors were raving fan, early adopters, wind at your back, um, you know, badass executive CEOs, founders, um, and they've just been amazing. And and that was kind of our, our early support group. And then from there, we went on Shark Tank and we received Mark Cuban's investment. And then we raised another round and that was our first institutional round. So by that point, there was a lot of signals, you know, we had a lot of like pretty high profile folks that were involved. Um, and uh, now have about five different institutions. And now there's just a completely different attitude around this entire space, you know, because of COVID. I think a lot of uh, VCs and investors are, you know, starting to develop theses around the death care space. And, you know, so it's it's a totally different conversation today. It makes sense. I mean, if I think about, you know, industry innovation and things that, oh, I, I often look at, anything. Uh, all right. Well, I'll give you an example. We just did a presidential election. I feel like the polling, like, I don't mean voting. I mean, polling, like yeah. that, that whole industry feels very ripe for disruption. Right. Uh, it doesn't I seem know. like anything's changed and it's never, it's so off, you know, right. like, yeah. and I don't know what the issue is. It just feels like it's a, and maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. Now, when I think yeah. about death care and I don't have an inside look in the industry, but it feels like something that probably hasn't gone through much, if yeah. any innovation. And and there are, there are things too, that, you know, you look at COVID and, and uh, we see some uh, well for, I mean, it's really supply chain stuff. Like mm-hmm. death is actually quite predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning like there's a pretty, they have a, they, meaning, you know, whoever it is, it's looking at different stuff. A, a mm-hmm. lot of times it's the insurance, uh, industry mm-hmm. that does very good at actuating this kind of stuff, but they, you know, and then all of a sudden you get these things that, that throw stuff out. Like, why did we run out of toilet paper earlier mm-hmm. this year? It wasn't because we can't make more toilet paper. It's because there's a very predictable nature to how right. much and how often people will buy it. And then when things occur, you're like, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow. Okay. So this is a little different. And, and I would think that death care could have something to do with that. Another thing too, is with the rapidly growing, rising population worldwide. I mean, Mm -hmm. theoretically you have a bigger 
audience. Now people live longer, different stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So um, yeah. what are, what have, have there been any big it, uh, disruptions or innovation in death care and loss industry that like anything that's even notable? Cause I, I, like I said, I don't know, but I, I'd struggle to. Yeah. To think of anything. Think about what no. it could, would or could be. Like, uh, not really. I like, I think right now we are only just now beginning to see, um, you know, some, some true innovation here and there's a handful, uh, you know, and, and really, I do mean a handful, um, of other companies that I would say are, um, really going to drive some incredible change in the space. You know, um, I would say there's, a lot that's being done in the pre-need space. So thinking ahead and planning, you know, kind of making sure your will is all drawn out and, you know, thinking about all of those things. So a lot of that is, um, you know, there we're building better technology experiences around that to make it more accessible, relatable, you know, that people are going to do it. So we're seeing some innovation there. Um, and then, um, you know, I, there's another company I love called Better Place Forests. Um, so that's another option to honor a loved one is um, their entire like redwood groves in California and Oregon and a couple other places um, where you can pick a redwood and you can have your loved one's ashes interred under the redwood. Um, so just a more beautiful kind of setting to go and to visit your loved one's resting place. Um, and then, you know, there's, there is some really interesting um, things that are being done around uh, aquamation. So this is a water-based um, cremation. So it's more kind of green and sustainable. There's a lot of um, innovation that's happening in green burial. Uh, so more kind of sustainability practices around both cremation and burial. Uh, so I think that's something that we're really going to see. But, you know, I think what's unique about what we're doing is we are the only company that's really focused on those that are left behind in the wake of loss and what they are, you know, what their grieving journey really looks like and how can we add value during that time so that they're pathing this way, you know, on a healing path and not getting stuck, you know, so that's really where Eternova really focuses. Yeah, that's interesting. Like I said, this is uh, this has been insightful because um, I, I think that once again, your industry is something that, that, uh, well, many of us don't, experience or honestly think a whole lot about until we're forced to. Right. Um, which, which is, and, and we've done, I, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I, I study a lot on personality styles and how mm. largely how they interact and, you know, what that yeah. has to do with team leading builder or leadership, team building, stuff like that. But the one yeah. thing that is certain is that we all show our worst qualities Mm. when, when under, when we have stress and that's like when we're tired or when we have stress and mm -hmm. when you go through grief or loss that, well, those two are, are, are mighty prevalent. And that's why I was mm -hmm. asking about some of the messaging and how you deal with that. And if you've ever known anybody that was in the industry, like an undertaker or someone like that, they're very good listeners and they mm -hmm. are, you mentioned that kind of monotone. They're not like, Hey, welcome. You know, like that's <laughs> not, it's not usually what what you're looking for in that regard. So uh, very, very, uh, very interesting. Right. You know, I think like yeah. you, you want to feel under yeah. not just heard, but understood. And, you know, like somebody mm -hmm. they're there with you. They're they're there to get your back and to support you and that you don't feel alone. That's really what it is, is like it's a very isolating feeling. And that's what we're trying to correct is how does somebody not feel so alone while they're grieving? 
Yeah. And, you know, all around, whether it's in the in that and in, in death care or anything, it's amazing the the power of empathy um, and, and how how uh, I mean, everything from negotiation mm. to team building to leadership to mm. I mean, really like empathy is is a it's it's a cornerstone element 100%. of all of it. And, and, uh, yeah. it's, and it's a challenge sometimes too, because as people, we are, well, we really are programmed to be more of I than we, yeah. it's a basic survival instinct. And then, yeah. you know, it's, uh, I, I think that I've, I've thought a lot about empathy this year everywhere mm-hmm. from things that went through COVID and, you know, I, I, I have 200 employees and they're worldwide. And, you know, that was a challenge for me I, to stand. Mm-hmm. I was in the Philippines, uh, earlier this year when COVID hit. And mm-hmm. standing, I've never gone through a more a more uh, stressful, and maybe also uh, period of growth. But having to stand in front, of, you know, that empathy for you take 185 employees in one location. Now you got to multiply it because it's not yeah. just them; it's their fa- it's their husbands, wives, children. Yep. You know, and and in the Philippines, they have more nuclear families. So it also goes the other direction, too. So now you've got sometimes their parents are living with them and trying to make decisions that that make sense. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, empathy has been very powerful. And it just it's mm-hmm. it's a it's and it's difficult. Uh, uh, it's difficult and it's not. It's you know, it's like it's difficult uh, to, you know, to I don't know. There, it, It's uh, for for certain personality styles, it's very built in, and for others, yeah. it's not. And yeah. entrepreneurs often trend towards that type A driven mm-hmm. side, which empathy isn't a built in quality. And that's why <laughs> you know that's why I spend a lot of time trying to trying to study it because I'm just trying to be better at it myself. But right. all right, so I, I I end my episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the founders freestyle, and I'm going to give you a chance to uh, either. Uh, talk about anything that we may have missed in this episode or give some general advice to other founders that Mm -hmm. you may have learned from your entire process uh, Mm -hmm. in in general. So here you go. What what do you have to say? Hey, Um, well, if I were to kind of use a turn event and what I've learned so far is like, you know, every single year is an opportunity to really think about like, who do you like, what do you stand for? And what is the problem, the bigger problem that you're solving? Um, One of the first things that we invested in as a company was our brand identity work. And this is back when we were bootstrapped before we ever raised money. It was like a $10,000 investment. I remember being like, whoa, okay, like this is a big, big deal. But it was one of the best things we ever did. Because it was like, again, we're not turning ashes into diamonds, we're honoring remarkable lives, you know, and, and we're a part of making sure that somebody's never forgotten. And then the next year we did our brand identity work again. We're like, actually, we're even more than that. You know, we're serving somebody on a grieving journey. And the the experience that we've created around the diamond is as important as the diamond itself. We're actually a grief wellness brand, you know, and then the next year we kind of re-looked at ourselves and we're like, you know, there are no brands that are being built here and we're driving this conversation and this community. And, you know, there's this mission that people are rallying behind, like, why not become the platform, you know, that really you can build a lot of things on top of and just really reshape an entire industry, you know, so we want to be the lighthouse of death care. And so I think that like, if you're really intentional about thinking every single year about what is your company and what's kind of that greater why for what you're doing and it kind of expanding if there's an opportunity to the the scope of who you are and where you're going, um, 
I think it's what rallies people behind you. It's how you create raving fans. It's how you um, attract investors and great talent and, you know, um, that you do something that is not just a transaction, but rather uh, a mission that people want to get behind. So that'd be my two cents. Well said. (laughs) Well said. You know, one of the things that, that I took away from this episode and that I'm an advocate of is... You know, there's there's a certain uh, well, I'm I'm a capitalist, and uh, but at the same time, that doesn't always mean that's not a take 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 no. thing. And I think a lot of people view business and capitalism as just that in many regards. Yeah. And I and you know, and at one point, I may have as well. Uh, you know, Startup Hustle has provided me the opportunity to talk to so many people that do so many different things, and mm-hmm. realize there's so many people that have used a quote capitalist type venture to create so much good um, in the world. And, you know, and I can't remember the name of the episode, but earlier this year we had a guy on that uh, there's even a a Netflix documentary about he's a part of it that he had created that is creating 3d homes Mm, and they could go into like central America and uh, create, uh, you know, use this 3d home printer Mm -hmm. to, make concrete homes mm-hmm. that had, you know, they basically cost like a thousand dollars, but it was changing, you know, whatever. And it, it was, uh, um, you know, that's another example of what you're doing and so many others. And, you know, I think overall, it, it I mean, it does always start with a problem that needs to be solved. Yeah, and, um, and then on, t- and then on top of that, you know, often things do occur for reasons that you cannot explain when they occur. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, well, with, uh, with your friend mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, saying, oh, well, we could do something right. and, you know, bringing it up and trying it and, you know, not being afraid to do something that is different. Yeah, so and uh, in, 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 a wor- in a world where, where unique and new ideas are few and far between, yeah. Um, there's something to be said, you know, Matt Watson and I have talked about this so much in, in past episodes that, uh, you know, there are riches in the niches. Mm -hmm. And when you go out and do things, especially when you're trying to raise capital, you have a better chance of getting it, doing something like what you're Mm -hmm. doing than if you are the 15th person in line and doing something else where you're just going to hear it's a crowded space. This is great. It's going to be tough. There's an 800 pound gorilla in the room or whatever. And, you know, now, you know, with that, there comes a lot of pressure because whenever you're first, if you're doing anything that other people get and understand, and it seems like you've, well, every time you get funded or get on shark tank or do something Mm -hmm. like that, you've now sent up a signal. Yeah to competitors and saying, Hey, so, so with that, don't rest on your laurels and, and assume that, you know, just if you are first or one of the first, there's more, more, more coming. So you got to keep pressing forward and keep trying to do things the best, you know, better, faster, cheaper, and just do it all. Just keep pushing forward. Don't, uh, don't ever believe that that competition isn't coming because it probably is. So, well, this was this was interesting, and and keep it up. I, I uh, I'm interested to see where all of this goes. You've taken it a long way from Shark Tank to uh, everything else. So, I, I wish you the best of luck, and uh, I I think it's pr- pretty fair to say we'll probably uh, circle back around down the road to see how this is continuing to go for you. So, awesome. all right, well. I, uh, in a, in a sign off that I have yet to use, I want to say 
stay positive and test negative. So <laughs> see you all next time. Thanks, Matt. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.